Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Abraham Lincoln is first. Joe Biden is 14th. Donald Trump is dead last. You're a sophisticated POTUS listening audience. I know you've seen or heard something about the latest ranking of American presidents. Now you're going to meet one of the academics behind this exercise. Brandon Roddinghouse is a professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Houston. He's the co-host of the political podcast and TV8 show called Party Politics, and he's a political analyst at KHOU in Houston. Professor, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks, Michael. So this is not one individual's assessment, but rather you rely on academics in the field. Talk to me about the process. Yeah, so what we've done is over the past couple of years had this survey of experts in the field. So we try to get a universe of people who have studied the presidency, who have written about the presidency, and ask them questions about their impressions about presidential greatness. And then it leads to a ranking, and it seems like as you've done this for several years, those at the very top are kind of entrenched, but there's a lot of fluid, there's a lot of play in what follows. Yeah, there's some interesting movement um, we've seen in that period. Um, There's definitely, as you say, a top cycle. You've got the kind of Mount Rushmore style presidents who tend to be among the top. So Lincoln gets the top billing, as you said. George Washington is always very high up. Teddy Roosevelt, always very high up. But we actually found a significant change this time around. We found that FDR was ranked number two by a very slim margin over George Washington. So we're seeing a little bit of movement at the top, but the difference between the first three and then the following three is is significant in terms of the rating number. If I were a scholar who received your survey, what what exactly am I asked to do? Am I simply providing a ranking or am I evaluating by criteria? Yeah, it's really the question. Um, We actually don't give people any specific criteria. We let them fill in the blanks, effectively telling us who they think are the best presidents. And so we feel like it's a more kind of organic way to do it. We've toyed with other ways that people have done this in the past, like historians have done similar kinds of rankings, and they give people criteria, and then that criteria is used in whatever way those individuals who are responding want to uh, put down. But we actually leave it pretty blank. Um, And actually, as a result, we can get some pretty interesting dimensions in terms of how people assess presidents over time. One of the things we did this time was ask people point blank, kind of along the lines of your question, you know, what's presidential greatness to you? And we've got a lot of really interesting answers, and it's going to take us a while to kind of probe through. But one thing that was really stunning to me is that, you know, in the past, we've seen scholars kind of emphasize, like, getting things done, right, passing legislation and being kind of that hub in government as they're expected to be. But we're seeing some different results now and some people who are commenting on different sort of elements of the presidency. So for instance, we're getting people who say that the presidents who are great are ones who advance democracy and know the limits of the system, uh, respect and abide by the constitution and the better angels of our nature. So there is a definite kind of change in terms of how we think about presidential greatness. And we're seeing that reflected in some of these verbatims. Do you know the politics of the scholars whose advice and opinion you're soliciting? 
we do. We ask them questions about their party affiliation. We ask them questions about their ideology. Um, and so we have a sense of kind of, you know, generally speaking, politically where they are. Do the Republican scholars tend to identify Republican presidents and vice versa among the Democrats as being the better U.S. presidents? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we do see a fair amount of kind of partisan divide. Not surprisingly, um, we find in this poll that um, that um, Joe Biden is ranked pretty high. We wrote an op-ed in the LA Times that, you know, in our opinion, that's probably pretty high. <laughs> uh, we, of course, uh, don't at 14. At 14, yeah, we don't take the survey. We just sort of deliver the survey. But um, our impression was that that was pretty high. And we do see a kind of halo effect for other Democrats um, who were in and around this era. So Bill Clinton rises, Jimmy Carter rises, Barack Obama rises. We think in part that's because we're seeing a kind of reaction to Donald Trump. Like I said a second ago, we're sort of seeing this change in terms of great misperceptions, right? Moving from kind of getting things done in office to moving towards kind of thinking about the, the system and the integrity of the system. So a lot of people, it seems to us, like around the president uh, and former President Trump um, are getting kind of a, a bump. <laughs> That's not to say that there aren't reasons that Joe Biden is a good president. In fact, um, we've seen some evidence of this. People have written about this um, in um, the National Review. Um, Stuart Stevens had a nice piece that talked about the way that Joe Biden has done well in office. And so everybody has their own impressions about <laughs> this is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So let me ask you this. By, by the way, this is Brandon Roddinghouse. He's a professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Houston, and, and he and uh, uh, Vaughn, I apologize. I want to make sure that I give proper acknowledgement from Coastal Carolina University to your to your co-author of this work. Help me with this. Correct. Yeah. Justin Vaughn. Uh, Justin Vaughn. Pardon me. Uh, they are behind, I, I guess I should say, soliciting, collating, producing the result of this latest ranking of American presidents. Barack Obama, you referenced a moment ago, he finished at number seven this year. That's up nine places since 2015. Ulysses Grant now ranked 17. He's also up nine places. Andrew Jackson has fallen 12. Wilson has fallen. Ronald Reagan has fallen five places. Doesn't doesn't that movement kind of speak to the subjective nature of this? It's definitely subjective. Obviously, everybody has their own impressions about you know, how presidents are great and what the effect of their policies and their personalities in office was. Um, the other thing I think it reflects is the kind of changing nature of how we think about 
presidential greatness. That to me is the most kind of um, interesting design. Um, we're seeing people put more emphasis on political institutional norms as a prime criteria for what makes a great president. And I think that's a big factor in terms of how this assessment shifts over time. And that's why I like doing these assessments, because it does give us the sense that, you know, we assume different things about presidents. Look, Michael, we're in a moment where we've got two former presidents, two presidents running against each other. That hasn't happened since the 19th century. So to talk about what makes a great president is really important at this moment. Well, did the did the historians, the scholars with whom you consulted, were they all sort of weighed down by Trump, the individual. I mean, there's a record here. And, and look, half the country, according to the latest polls, a half the country wants to see a return to it. I guess the case would be for Trump, robust economy, uh, no war, less bureaucracy, less regulation. I mean, there there are certainly things that you can say that Republicans will favor about Donald Trump. And it sounds like nobody wants to say them. What is it that you did hear about Trump from the 140 scholars that you consulted? Yeah, in general, um, there's pretty solid consensus um, that he was not a great president. Um, That's true for Republicans and independents and Democrats. Um, I think you're right. I mean, there are certainly things that all presidents have done that give them this credibility that gives them a sense that you know they've done something strong while in office. They all have those opportunities. Um, I think for a lot of people, they look at, you know, do they take advantage of all those opportunities um, in a way that minimized errors? So that might be one issue. Um, but you're totally right. I mean, the way we see over time the kind of success of presidents in terms of being ranked as great presidents is that they either win a war or there's peace and prosperity. Um, and Trump had some of those things. But there also is a sort of downside to this, and that's the number of scandals. So when you put that into the mix, it does tend to drag down presidential greatness. So obviously, with all the conflict Trump had in office, um, that definitely didn't, I think, improve his standing in the minds of most people who took the survey. So, and, and I'm not equating the two in terms of the amount of scandal, but there certainly was one in particular scandal that surrounded President Clinton, and yet he does well, right? He comes in, help me, correct me if I'm wrong, at number 10 among Republicans and number 10 among Democrats among your scholars. Yeah, and he's been moving up um, slightly in those years. Um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and the, I think, bigger conversation is important, and that's you know the degree to which certain scandals matter and other scandals don't matter. We actually did find, um, when we first did the survey in 2015, um, to today, he's actually down several spots, um, but he's up in the more recent one. So he's been, you know, lower in part because there is this sort of reassessment of him. But yeah, he hasn't taken quite the hit that other presidents who have been involved in various scandals have been, like Ulysses S. Grant is a good example of that. He's actually moving up, um, despite the fact that you know he was president during some some fairly important scandals. Professor, a final question: How much? How much dust has to settle? How much time has to go off the clock before we we tend to cement or historians, I should say, tend to cement their perception of a particular president? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We do get this a lot because we include contemporary presidents in this ranking. Um, I think it's interesting because it does give us this sort of tangible sense that how people are governing now affects how we think about greatness. And so instead of waiting for 20 years as maybe is the norm, we can have this in to some degree real time. So it's a kind of more dynamic measure. But um, I'm of mind to say that we're always updating these things, right? Thinking about kind of how success comes to presidents now is 
gives us a sense of how, say, Garfield did it or how, you know, Truman did it. Um, so I like the fact that we're kind of constantly thinking about the way the presidents matter, because that's really the end story is that the presidents have this supersized impact in the system and how they're perceived is really significant to how we think about the function of government. I, OK, I lied when I said final question. This time I mean <laughs> it. I'm really curious. Over time, over the time that you've been doing this, has President Nixon moved all that much? Nixon's moved a little bit, um, mostly kind of down. He's been in the same <laughs> position, the bottom third, the kind of top of the bottom third. Um, but I think Nixon's a great sort of president in the sense that, you know, he really embodies just the highs and lows of a presidency, right, to be able to effectively open China and establish those diplomatic relations and then to be felled by Watergate it is a stunning example of the way that presidents face these kinds of conundrums all the time. And so that's a great question. How do we think about President Nixon in the context of today? Are we emphasizing sort of cleanness in government? Are we emphasizing kind of international diplomacy? Are we emphasizing domestic achievements? Um, these are all things that are interesting. And so that's why I think studying presidents in this way is, is really telling. Fun stuff. I could do this for hours. I appreciate you. I appreciate Justin Vaughn. Thank you for being here. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Greetings to you, Robert, on Long Island. You just heard about a ranking of American presidents. 154 scholars weighed in. They say Lincoln is number one, Biden is 14, Trump is last. Quick reaction? My reaction is I don't know what controlled substance those scholars are smoking or who those scholars are. But anyone who doesn't rate Ronald Reagan near the very top for winning the Cold War and bringing about the destruction of the Soviet Union has no sense of history. And I, I want to address all the others. I was really surprised that in my poll over the weekend, uh, pardon me, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, for President's Day. I simply said President's Day poll. Obama or Reagan? It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. I, I thought that it would be. Uh, Mike, greetings to you. Newburgh, New York. What did you want to say? Yes, sir. First, I got to react to the, the that uh, caller that just uh, spoke. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, winning the Cold War. I, I remember Bill Clinton uh, saying that it was like the rooster taking credit for the dawn. Uh, you know, I don't think Reagan uh, had all that much to do with it. But one thing well, that but, but wait, you'd really have to at least up. you'd have to at least say that Reagan pumping up. I mean, I was paying attention then had just come of age. 
Reagan's building of the defense arguably is what broke the camel's back in the Soviet Union not being able to keep pace. Wouldn't you give him credit for that? Uh, well, there were forces that were already, uh, you know, in play. I mean, the Soviet Union had been in decline for uh, many years. Their economy was in shambles. You know, communism simply wasn't working. But I did want to comment on something else, that, if I could. Go ahead, uh, quickly. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson, that one bugs me a lot. Uh, the measure that historians often use for greatness of a president was did they move the nation in new political, uh, economic, or intellectual directions? And Wilson certainly did. He used to be ranked among the, 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 the greats and certainly has fallen, and that is as a result of presentism, looking at the past through the prism of the present. He well, I think that racist. would... I think that would also account for Obama moving nine places since 2015, yep. nine, nine places since 2015. That's a lot of a lot of movement. Uh, Everett, greetings to you in San Pedro. What did you want to say? Yeah. Hi, Michael. I was born on the same day that you were, March 15th, 1962. I admire your energy level. I really do. Happy uh, birthday to you a month early. Yes, indeed. And um, about the, the question, it looks like, just like the rest of us, these scholars have weighted more recent presidents higher than the rest of the field, just because we just don't know that much about Tom Tyler or Rutherford, Rutherford B. Hayes or some of those guys from the uh, 1800s that are a little more obscure to, uh, to us. We don't really measure their achievements in the same way that the ones that we have experienced. Uh, I think that's probably true. And now, having heard you say that, you just put something in my head that I need to, I need to get an answer for. I'm, I'm a look. I'm a George Herbert Walker Bush fan. Uh, President Bush, 41, comes in at number 19. Why am I not seeing this? Where is, where is? Okay, okay. George W. Bush comes in at 32. Comes in at 32. There, I wanted to see the the ranking of. Uh, of 41 and 43 comparatively. And there it is. Todd is standing by in Raleigh. There he is. Hi, Todd. Greetings. What did you want to contribute? Hey, Mike, I'm getting back to Ronald Reagan. Didn't he, I mean, a validation of his success could be seen in 84. Didn't he carry like 49 of the 50 states in, in the electorate? True. Walter Mondale was able to carry only one state. It was his native Minnesota. I mean, that's a validation of anything about what people thought of him. I'm just, well, okay, I just okay, but listen, but listen, by that, by that standard, by that standard, can we not look at Richard Nixon? Yes, we all know that he resigned, but perhaps he's deserving of better than 35. I mean, he too, by your measure, was reelected with 49 states. George McGovern only carried Massachusetts, did not carry his native South Dakota. Uh, Sarah, you are in New Jersey. Greetings. What are you thinking? Hi. I Hi. wanted to uh, add my voice to the the comments about the president's list. And there no, my, my reactions are definitely influenced by my President's Day activities, the whole weekend activities. I just watched for the second time that fantastic HBO miniseries, John Adams. I don't know what brought that on, but I... And I'm just a little surprised not to hear George Washington's name at the top just for having basically set the idea of term limits, that you can you can step down graciously and know when it's your turn. That was so, you know, so new. 
uh, in the world. And then I also took my children to the uh, Museum of Natural History for President's oh, Day, and we spent nice. a good, good amount of time uh, talking about Theodore Roosevelt. And uh, that's the first that my six-year-old has really you ever mean, paid attention. Do you mean do you mean natural history in uh, in New York City or in Washington? In, in, in Manhattan. In yeah, Manhattan. it's fabulous. Oh my God, it's fabulous, we're members, right? We're members there. We go we go as often as we can because we're members. But we live in New Jersey, so it's a little tough. But yeah. just teaching them about you know why the museum is there and conservation. Conservation, yes, yes. You know, now you're reminding me, wasn't there a TR statue out front that was moved? Yeah, yeah. It had, there's, it, it, there's it, a bronze it statue on a bench as soon as you go in the ent- the member's entrance. I don't have time to big. to dig it up now, but I think I think there was a native TC. There was like a Native American aspect of it, and they, I, I I'm, think I'm they looking, moved yeah. it. I, I, th- I think it was like right on Fifth Avenue, and they, and they moved it. I might be yes. mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm not mistaken. Roosevelt statue to be removed from Museum of Natural History. Yep. Uh, yep. Pardon me. I can see to it be re- wait. With, on the horse. P- pardon me. To be removed from Oh, no, that was in 2020, what? meaning it was removed. To be removed from okay. what? By the of way, I just, history? I've been taking. Okay, stop. You cannot give me this grief. I'm taping TC After Dark based on my London trip, and I have to yeah. say museum like 17 times. I'm so museum. stressed about it because you guys are going to all go crazy with museum. how I say it. It's yes. very stressful. Museum. <laughs> This is Evan oh, in Houston, Texas. Evan, quickly, what did you want to say? Good morning. Uh, so I think the spots for the first 16 is kind of spot on. I know that they uh, rate or should be rating presidents based on the lasting legacy effect that they've had. And so far, it everything in the whole line is pretty spot on, in my opinion. I'm only 33, but I'm a, I'm a history buff. And, you know, it... For people who are kind of, you know, hellbent on having Reagan be the top, he, he did what he could. But as it was said before, uh, previous by a caller, he was kind of just the president in the time that the Soviet Union would fall. Whether or not, you know, he had the majority factor of causing it, he was the facilitator. If you will, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Conce- I'm not going to concede that. And I'm going to tell you something else that I, I have to throw into the mix. Does Donald Trump deserve to be the worst in history? Oh my God, I can just hear them saying this now. Oh, he's carrying Trump's water again. Uh, or is it? Or is it that 154 scholars who responded to this survey just cannot afford? to be the scholar who rated him, I don't know, anything less than, anything better, pardon me, anything better than last. I have to believe that there's a huge political correctness aspect of this. Uh, there's a record for conservatives to look to. You know, three three conservative Supreme Court justices, he did it, he got it done. Roe versus Wade, an anathema to so many of you, and yet so highly regarded by conservatives. But nobody wants to be the one. Nobody wants to be the one who says that Donald Trump deserves anything other in academia uh, to be dead last. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.